0: We'll be back in John chapter six tonight. John chapter six. My pages apart. I want to look at two more people that are involved in this story that kind of left out, didn't talk much about this morning, uh, kind of skipped over them. uh, But there's some good news. There's not a lot of information here about these two. That could be good or bad for the preachers. Kind of bad, you know, because not a lot of information here about them. For you, it's great, because I really can't legitimately belabor this very long, okay? Because there's not a lot of information to pass on, but uh, there's some really big lessons to learn from these two people tonight. Uh, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted, his, lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, "'Where shall we buy bread that these may eat?' But this he said to test him." for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was... Uh, much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five uh, barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that it's always true and it never changes. And Father, I thank you for the truths that we can learn even from a text uh, that's uh, been around for 2,000 years. I pray that you'd teach us tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Two people we're going to look at tonight, if you haven't figured it out already, we're going to look at the lad and we're going to look at Andrew. Now, let's start with the lad, kind of reverse order from where they appear here, but there's not a lot known about. This little boy. You know, that word lad is not a word that we use that often uh, anymore uh, in our modern day vernacular. So you might say, well, what does that even mean? How old is this person? Well, the truth of the matter is we don't know how old uh, the person would be. But uh, several translations, I looked at a bunch of different English translations. Uh, Of course, uh, here in the New King James Version, we have lad. Uh, A lot of translations say uh, boy The Amplified Bible says, little boy. But the Greek word that's used here is used uh, at least once also in Matthew and in Mark, but in two different stories. It's not the same uh, story. But in those two instances, this same Greek word is translated child, or in one it's in the plural, so it's children. So uh, either way, it's a child. It is a young boy. Obviously, though, old enough, as far as we know from the context of the story, old enough to be wandering away from uh, his parents a little bit here. But we don't know his name, we don't know his age, but we do know he traveled with his snack. You know, this is my kind of kid, right? And uh, just knowing young boys like I happen to know one, you know, traveling with a snack is a necessity. And uh, he had his five barley loaves and two fish. Now, you can learn a lot about a person from their snack. And this is no different here. So we get, start to put together a little more of this context about who is this lad, and, and I'm going somewhere with all this, so follow me here. He had five barley loaves. Of course, that's not like, you know, I saw the, um, the little sheet we use with our kingdom kids. The, young, the youngest group, uh, the uh, four and five year olds, get a little take home sheet and uh, it had the picture of the I think that story was actually from the feeding of the 4,000 but uh, it had the uh, loaves, like big loaves of like French bread like you'd see at Walmart up here in the bakery, you know. And so like, that's not what we're talking about here. These would be more like a, a hush puppy. You know, five little barley Loaves. Now, what is, why, why is we specifying barley loaves here? That's a big detail to know that it's barley because uh, barley was the cheapest of all the bread that you could get. It was held in contempt by most. It was the bread of the poor. So if you had barley bread, you're a lower class individual because you can't afford the wheat bread. Gluten intolerance wasn't a thing back then, so anyway. But uh, fish that we have here, five loaves, two fish, those are most likely about the size of a sardine. And pickled fish, right? Yum. (laughs) I'm glad that I didn't live then. You know, snacks have come a long way since that day, but the pickled fish from Galilee were famous all over the Roman Empire. They would swarm there in the Sea of Galilee, and they caught them, and they pickled them. And they were sold as almost a, uh, a you know, a, a I don't know, a delicacy may be too big of a word, but it was a famous snack, you know, that you could get all over the Roman Empire. Um, it's very common. So we have a child. We don't know his name, but we know from the context that he comes from a poor family. He had almost... Nothing. But he let Jesus have it all. Boy, that's a big lesson for us. Because what stands out to me is that this little boy's, what I'd call a pitiful excuse for a lunch or or a snack, did more than six to eight months' worth of wages could do. Because you remember, that's what Philip said Uh, Just before this, in verse 7, Philip said, We've only got 200 denarii. And 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't feed this crowd a a morsel. 200 denarii was six to eight months worth of wages, depending on which scholar you're reading. And, And Jesus says, Well, let me show you what this poor little boy's snack will do. That your six to eight months worth of wages Uh, Can do. So we take what we have and we put it in Jesus' hand, and it'll do so much more than the greatest amount of wealth that we keep in our own hands. This little boy had faith. And how do we know that? Because he trusted Jesus with everything he had. The little boy reminds me uh, of the encounter Jesus had back in Matthew chapter 18, and you can turn there if you want to, you don't have to, but Matthew chapter 18. Verse 1, I think about this text, looking at the story there with Jesus and this little lad. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them, And said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Jesus reminds us, he reminded them there, reminds us today that our position means nothing. Jesus was able to do more with this little boy's lunch than he could do with all that the adults had to offer. I think one of the greatest unwritten truths of the Bible, if we can call it that, is found right here. It's found in the fact that we don't even know the little boy's name. I think that's there's a, just a huge lesson there. Because we have some of the disciples constantly jockeying to say who's the best, who's the greatest. And here again, in this miracle, Jesus was pointing to the little boy and saying what he did is greater than anything you did. It's not all about name recognition. Well, it's not all about our name recognition. It's all about what we're willing to do to promote his name recognition. And that's what the little boy did. Second person is Andrew, verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Mark 8, I mean, sorry, Mark 6, in uh, Mark's account of this same story, and verse 38 tells us that Jesus had sent the disciples out to survey the crowd. You know, we've got to feed them something. We don't have enough money to buy enough bread to feed them, and so Jesus sends them out amongst the crowd to survey what everybody had. And and here in verse 8 and and verse 9, we have Andrew coming back and saying, all we found was this little boy in his lunch. We surveyed all 5,000 people, and this is all we found. Now, either one, one of two things happened. Maybe one of three things happened. Either they didn't survey the whole crowd, but we have no indication that that's what happened. Number two they uh, surveyed the crowd and people were too selfish and they said, no, I'm going to keep my snacks for myself. Or number three, the little boy was really the only one that had anything. And I lean towards that last option because when we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts, it tells us that Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them. Now, I know how I'd be, and I really hope Jesus, I know Jesus wouldn't be like me, but if I look out and I know they got snacks, it's kind of like working a funeral in the dead of winter, and these perfectly healthy adults show up complaining how cold it is, and I'm in my nice warm overcoat, and you ain't getting my overcoat. You could check the forecast just as well as I could. Now, that's if I was in Jesus' just and they got their own snacks. Eat your own snacks. I ain't making you any, right? I mean, you're being selfish, and that's what you're eating. So I lean to the In fact, Jesus had compassion on them. I really lean towards the fact that this is really all there was. Just the little boy. Everyone else, you say, well, what about the Jewish people carrying their basket that we talked about this morning? They were in too big of a hurry. I really think they, they left in too big of a hurry to rush over and catch Jesus that they didn't grab their food supply that they would usually take with them. But there's a, something here that I think really makes the biggest point that I want to make tonight. I don't think it's insignificant that when they returned from surveying the crowd, it's Andrew... That brings the little boy to Jesus, and this is where we'll begin to make what is, I think, the biggest point of tonight's message. This is not the only time we find in John's gospel Andrew bringing somebody to Jesus. If we looked over, uh, which I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read from there, but if we looked over to John chapter twelve, uh, you know. Several chapters over, we find Andrew bringing a group of Greeks to Jesus. But turn back to John chapter 1, a few pages. I know Brother Eric taught on the disciples on Wednesday nights recently. You may have heard some of this. Some of this may be repeated. Uh, But uh, John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Again, the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see." they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. When Andrew first met Jesus, the very first thing he he says, I got to introduce my brother to him. I got to go get Simon and bring him to Jesus. Andrew brings his brother to Jesus and of course Jesus sees Simon's potential from the very beginning and he says your name's you know call you Simon I'm going to call you Cephas which translated over into the Greek is Peter. I'm going to call you Peter is what he says. What do we know about this man named Simon Peter? John MacArthur sums up Peter's former life up to this point and continuing on for a little while like this. This young man named Simon, who had become Peter, was impetuous, impulsive, and over-eager. What happened after three years with Jesus? Turn to Acts chapter 2. He wasn't perfect by any means. You know, he denied Jesus right before Jesus was crucified. Jesus appeared to him and restored him. Jesus ascends to heaven. and We don't find Andrew standing up preaching on the day of Pentecost. But we find the one that Andrew brought to Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, verse... 14, the Holy Spirit's fallen on the day of Pentecost. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Now we're not going to read it all, skip to verse 36. He tells them all about Jesus. He makes the case for the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified, and exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. That's Peter. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Three years earlier? People say, You telling me Simon's going to do that? You telling me Simon... The one out there that fishes, this impetuous fella, I just like that word that MacArthur used. You telling me that guy is going to be an evangelist? He's going to be a preacher? He's going to lead this huge gospel movement? Spending time with Jesus changes a man. Boy, it sure changed Peter. He went from a hothead to a Holy Ghost evangelist in just three years' time. What made all that possible? Andrew. And the fact that Andrew said, I got to get my brother to Jesus. I got to introduce, this is, this is the Messiah. I got to introduce my brother to him. Andrew brought Peter. Back in John chapter 6, Andrew brought this unnamed poor boy with just five loaves and two fish, and both times we find... Excuses fly out the window when we read the Bible. We like to say, I don't have anything to offer. I'm just looking out amongst the crowd, and I don't know what your bank account looks like. But just surveying the folks here and what I know about you, we've got more than that little boy had in his possession. Some people might say, well, maybe when I have it all together, I'll serve Jesus. Boy, I'm so glad Peter didn't wait till he had it all together to serve Jesus. Maybe when I'm stronger in my faith, I'm glad Peter didn't make that excuse. As a matter of fact, Paul addresses this, and we'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 36, Paul says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. In his presence. God uses the weakest. God chooses the weakest. That's why he chooses me and you. And he wants us to work for him. That's why he chose the little boy. That's why he brought the little boy and God ordained this meeting with the little boy and Andrew. So that Andrew could bring the little boy to Jesus Because that little boy just had five little barley loaves and two fish. And the only way to describe it is it's a miracle and to give God the glory. God doesn't need us to have it all together. He uses the weak so that he receives the glory. So no matter how little we think we have to offer Jesus, he can take what we offer in faith and work miracles for the kingdom of God. Is there anything before we close? If not, if you'll stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.